Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Once again, the Bays team is the best team, the Golden State Warriors. Welcome to a brand new episode of Strength in Numbers on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Cadiz, and it is the afternoon after the casualty at Chase, the tap out Tuesday at Chase, the chokehold at Chase, the Draymond Green kerfuffle at Chase, whatever you want to call it. It is after the incident that had Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Jaden McDaniels, all respectively getting ejected within the first two minutes of the NBA in-season first-time-ever tournament game at home at Chase Center last night. A lot was overshadowed by that incident yesterday, but before the game and the night and the day before, we had the report that Stephen Curry was questionable and ultimately was out with a knee sprain. We got more news on his availability after the game last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was also overshadowed that whole scuffle, that chokehold by Brandon Pajemski. You know, we talked about him a couple of episodes ago alongside TJD that Pajemski and TJD would need these minutes to thrive. And with Stephen Curry being out, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson all being out of the contest, Steve Kerr had to use the rookies. And Brandon Pajemski had the night of his life. Multiple career highs last night. We'll break down his game a little later. Chris Paul, a couple of late decision-making issues should he have taken the shot should have he passed the ball we'll break all of that down but we're going to continue to talk about the whole chokehold situation now last night i was fortunate enough brought someone out to the game had really good seats right behind the warriors bench off to the tunnel and i had the opportunity to see the whole fight and incident how the benches reacted Draymond Green, Clay Thompson walking into the tunnel. If you want to see the videos that I had and posted about the whole incident, Clay switching jerseys, getting a new jersey after after his City Edition jersey got ripped, him walking to the locker room, Draymond Green walking to the locker room. You can check all of that out and follow me on X at High Brain Flakes. You can follow our podcast page on X as well. Uh, strength and numbers at dubs underscore strength where you'll get the latest updates when the newest episode like today's special episode releases now if you were living under a rock and didn't hear the audio or what happened here's some audio from bob fitzgerald and kalena azabuki courtesy of nbc sports bay area when the whole incident started last night when nobody even scored a single point Thompson's never been involved in anything like that. What, what was Jade McDaniels doing? 
Now we have some more audio about what started the incident on the broadcast from Bob Fitzgerald and Kalena Azabuki between Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson. But first, we have to talk about our sponsors in Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code Believe B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. What started it all? It was an Anthony Edwards missed three-pointer at about the 10-20 mark of the first quarter. Draymond Green gets the rebound, but off to the side, you can see Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels. A little bit of hand fighting that transpired and got brought all the way down the court as Chris Paul was bringing. The ball up we see the two going at it and shuffling and ultimately Jaden McDaniels rips Clay's jersey that's when Rudy Gobert comes into play now Rudy Gobert tried to break up the fight between the two of Thompson and McDaniels now Draymond Green interpreted this as Rudy Gobert going after Klay Thompson's neck, which in the replay you can see a little bit of that happening where Gobert's hands were around Klay Thompson's uh, chest and neck area. That's when Draymond Green comes in, does a little underhand chokehold, and tries to bring Rudy Gobert down. Rudy Gobert does not go down initially, and some comments of him later, but Carl Anthony Towns was trying to rip Draymond Green off of Rudy Gobert. You can see Steve Kerr in slow-mo saying, let go, let go, let go. And Draymond held it a little bit too long. And that is how the entire fight and injection happened. So the referees huddle. They go to replay review. They call and throw out McDaniels and Thompson because of the incident that was unnecessary. After further reviewing, they determined Draymond Green and the chokehold was a flagrant two, resulting in an automatic ejection. Now, as I was there in the arena, the crowd went wild. Chase Center was on their feet as Draymond Green got ejected. You know, Draymond, you know, loves to hype up the crowd. The refs, you suck chant started going. But before all of this happened, as they were in replay review, Clay was sitting on the bench. Uh, the jersey was ripped. He took that one off. They gave him a new City Edition jersey. And once he was thrown out, he had his new jersey on. Uh, Draymond was the one that initially walked into the tunnel first. After that, they announced Clay Thompson. So Clay Thompson walked into the tunnel, tried ripping the new jersey off, was frustrated. So, but he couldn't rip the new jersey off that he just got. So he just took it off. Again, you can see this video on my Twitter, on my ex at High Brand Flakes. Rudy Gobert was not thrown out or ejected from this contest because after the game, it was ruled by the referees that Rudy Gobert was deemed as a peacemaker because he was trying to separate. Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels. Now, Draymond Green and Dub Nation fans can be said from just the sentiment that I've been hearing around was that Draymond Green was trying to do that, but the chokehold was definitely unnecessary in doing so. Maybe if he 
just did the choke hold for like a couple seconds and let go, he would have stayed in the game. But knowing Draymond Green and his history, that definitely had a play into this. And now we await the ruling from the NBA of how many games is Draymond Green going to get suspended. Now, Joe Dumars, the lead of handling all of this stuff, you know, member of the bad boy Pistons. We saw what happened last season when he determined what happened in the Sacramento series with Draymond Green and the whole him stepping on Sabonis's chest. Now, Joe Dumars came out this morning and said, yes, um, history will play a factor too, as it did in that playoff series. So I'm going to say that Draymond Green deserves anywhere from two to three games. But knowing the NBA and the history, this could be anywhere from a five to nine game suspension. And Jay Williams on Get Up this morning on ESPN said that he wouldn't be surprised if Draymond Green was not suspended for less than 10 games. And a 10 game suspension would be detrimental to this Warriors offense already without Stephen Curry for who knows how long. Um, but with Draymond Green, I, me and the person that I took to the game, and Chris Mullen said this too, I was listening to 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area this morning, that Draymond Green looked ready. We thought, me and the person I took to the game, we thought that Draymond Green was going to have a breakout type of performance because he was nailing threes in pregame warmups that I haven't seen. He was nailing threes from the corners, the wings, and straight away. He probably went 25 for 30, and I know that's just warm-up and practice, but he was shooting lights out, and Draymond Green has been shooting lights out from beyond the arc to start off the season. Now, two rebounds early on for Draymond Green and one turnover before he got ejected. He looked active on the glass, active on the boards, based on those two minutes that I saw. Now, the question is, was it justified that Draymond Green put the chokehold on Rudy Gobert? Well, we know Draymond Green. He's a ride-or-die type of guy. He's the guy that you want on your team to defend you. And knowing who Klay Thompson is, he's not that type of aggregator, usually. Remember him and Devin Booker and him showing the four rings to Devin Booker and that incident that those two players had. But Klay Thompson is usually not an instigator. You want someone to defend you, and Draymond Green is that type of person. Was the chokehold excessive? Of course, I'll have to say, yeah, but am I surprised that Draymond Green did that? But no, and we've seen it in the past, as I keep on saying, and Rudy Gobert had the funniest thing to say last night and this morning, I think it was on a radio station in Minnesota, that he expected Draymond Green to do that because Stephen Curry was not playing, and when Steph doesn't play, Draymond likes to get himself ejected because Steph isn't playing. And man, that is the funniest thing I've heard. A lot of Dub Nation was saying, hey, he's reading Twitter comments. That was definitely a Twitter comment that a lot of Dub Nation likes to make that, especially with Draymond Green in the past, having said, I don't get up till games in March, right? I don't, I don't try my hardest till March comes up, or I don't get up for the Sacramento Kings is what the comments were last season. So I see how Rudy Gobert could have interpreted it in that type of way. Now on the side of Klay Thompson, do I feel like he should have been ejected from this game? No, he was 
being physical. He was he had his hand on Jaden McDaniels, and they just got a little bit touchy-grabby there. Uh, Jaden Daniels took it personally and started pushing and shoving, and Clay wasn't going to back down from that. Now, we heard comments from Chris Paul after the game saying that pregame, Steve Kerr instructed Clay to be a little more handsy and physical, and when you're not doing so well on the offensive end, trying to set your teammates up for good positioning, boxing your guy out, like Andrew Wiggins had a good rebounding game, and hey, maybe that's what the message was from that is be active on the glass offensive or defensive end from Steve Kerr to Clay Thompson on those rebounds, and I think that's what Clay was trying to do. Now, I believe if you were going to eject those three players in Draymond, Clay, and Jaden, you should have also thrown out Rudy Gobert because he was also part of that incident. I know you, I know the NBA ruled that he was supposed to be that peacemaker type of guy to stop that situation. But if you're involved in any way of putting your hands on someone else of the opposing team, I believe you should also be ejected and thrown out of this contest. And Rudy Gobert came up big late with a block on Dario Sarge on a three-pointer, and he impacted the game in a really good manner defensively once again. So a couple plays here and there, if he wasn't in this game, maybe the Warriors could have pulled out the contest and secure that win and get that play in in-season victory last night at Chase Center. Now we've spent around 13 to 15 minutes talking about this whole incident. Let's move on. Let's talk about why the Warriors were already shorthanded heading into the contest. Stephen Curry was ruled out with a knee sprain. Uh, the game before against the Minnesota Timberwolves, it looks like he took a little tumble, crashing into and bumping into the legs of Towns and Rudy Gobert as he scooped up for a layup. Nothing dirty, nothing intentional there for sure. But we were waiting on an MRI after the contest and before the game and ultimately came out and ruled that Stephen Curry is currently day-to-day -day now. Now, an interesting note, uh, pre-game when Stephen Curry, they showed him on the scoreboard in the locker room in the huddle before they came out running out, he was in some shorts, he switched back into some pants in his outfit if you saw him on the bench last night. So I don't know if he was trying to hide a little bit of swelling there on his knee and switched out from the shorts to the pants. That's just me noticing that. That's just me probably overanalyzing that situation, but we'll take the Golden State Warriors word in that Stephen Curry is day-to-day. -day. Now, do I expect him to play tomorrow against the Oklahoma City Thunder? Probably not. Maybe the second game against the Thunder, Thunder will see Steph playing. No official word, but it's good that no structural damage there on the knee sprain for Steph Curry. MRIs were all clear. He wasn't in any type of brace or situation like that yesterday on the bench the vibes were good Steph Curry was there active and you know instructing the bench helping players out all of that stuff Steph looked comfortable and he was walking fine no limp nothing at all now that we got that out of the way let's talk about the star last night the rookie out of Santa Clara University out of the WCC the Santa former Santa Clara Bronco, and that's Brandon Pajemski, had a game of his life, had his career high in points. He was masterful when ultimately those two players in Draymond Green and Clay Thompson were thrown out of the contest. Now, Pajemski finished the game with 23 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds, 
shooting 9 of 18 from the field, 3 of 8 from beyond the arc. Now, Brandon Pajemski looked amazing. We know his little floater game, his Euro step, his, his ability to drive into the lane, but he was hitting these three-pointers in big-time situations where they needed it the most, his ability to hit that jumper too. When he drives in and penetrates, he really knows how to pivot and pass it out or get crafty and go up and under, uh, wrong hand finish, same foot finish. He is very crafty at getting to the rim and also drawing some fouls. Now, he was two for two from the free throw line. As a guy that drives, you expect him to get more calls on and one opportunities or just straight up getting fouled. But, you know, he's a rookie. He's not going to get that rookie whistle that even a superstar like Stephen Curry, we can't even get that whistle for him and get those superstar calls. But Brandon Pajemski looked comfortable. I, we've said this in numerous episodes. Pajemski struggled in summer league, but heading into the California Classic, right? Heading into preseason games, his shot was starting to find rhythm. It was smooth. And his ability to drive into the lane, uh, accompanied with his ability to shoot the three-pointer now, made him a great threat last night for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Pajemski had 14 first-half points. We knew in that contest that he was going to be the first 20-point scorer other than Dario Saric to accompany Stephen Curry this season in the last nine contests. And Dario Saric also had a 20-point game himself. And with Steve Kerr starting Dario Saric in the starting lineup against the Timberwolves to change it up a bit as the Warriors were struggling, they came out, I forgot to mention, with Chris Paul, Klay Thompson, Wiggins, Saric, and Green. Kevon Looney took a spot on the bench, and it was a good decision there by Kerr to try to st stretch the floor once again. We saw Saric earlier this season in the starting lineup as well. Didn't go as well as last night's game against the Timberwolves, but Saric finished with 21 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 6 of 15 shooting, 3 of 11 from beyond the arc. He had taken a lot of threes. You'd like that number to uh, be better from beyond the arc, but he nailed three threes there and a big three-pointer late to tie the game up for the Golden State Warriors and had an opportunity to take the lead multiple times. And Sarge is just that big that we've said it before on these podcasts is that he's going to hold his ground against slower bigs, right? The more athletic ones that he'll have trouble against. And the guy that was bully balling him and Carl Anthony Towns got his buckets again last night. And Carl Anthony Towns is playing differently this season. He has that tenacity, that ferociousness that we haven't seen the past couple of seasons. And in back-to-back -back games, Carl Anthony Towns is starting to heat up for this Minnesota Timberwolves team. 33 points, 11 rebounds, 12 of 26 from the field, 5 of 12 from beyond the arc. And you got to give credit where credit is due because on open three-pointers, on closeouts where the Warriors um, were over-closing out, right? You know, they... Carl Anthony Towns realized that he drove when the closeouts were too late, he took advantage of that, drawing fouls in the lane, and also he knew when to shoot the open three-point shot. Anthony Edwards had a very quiet 20 points last night. He wasn't getting the calls that he wanted at the rim to try to get himself to the free throw line, and a couple key turnovers late kept the Warriors in this game. Five turnovers for Anthony Edwards, and in a game in which Warriors killer Nas Reed 
didn't have his Nas Reed typo-like performance that he usually does against the Warriors. He still finished with 10 points, two rebounds on four or five shooting, and two three-pointers. And it is frustrating because Nas Reed did not have that big game that he usually does, and yet the Warriors fall 104-101. to 101. Now, a couple mistakes late we'll have to talk about in Chris Paul. CP3 finished with 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals. There was this one play where he drove. He had the opportunity to go reverse layup and kicked it out. And then another play is where he drove once again on Rudy Gobert. And this is where Gobert blocked Dario Saric. Came down the court, had a wide-open mid-range shot, elected to go down in, draw the defender in Gobert, and still kick it out to Saric. Saric did a great job of trying to get that three-pointer off as quick as possible, but Rudy Gobert, just a great closeout, blocked the shot late there in the fourth quarter, and that's what ultimately, in my opinion, sealed that victory for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, on their next possession, got an open three there in the corner to set up Mike Conley, who hit the three-pointer to put Minnesota up for the lead, and they didn't look back from that point on, and Minnesota secured the victory after that big-time corner three by Mike Conley off of that assist there by Anthony Edwards, who, again, I said, you know, lost a couple turnovers late in this contest, but that time secured the ball and got it to the shooter, the veteran, and Conley to put the dagger for the Warriors. Now, after that, the Warriors still had an opportunity to at least tie the game and send it into overtime. They foul slow-mo. Puts them up and he makes both free throws, 104 to 98. And then Moses Moody takes a three pointer and puts them down by only three, 104 to 101. And entering the game, GP2 comes in for defense. Now, Chris Paul gets the steal at half court, heaves it up, and it is way short. And that is how the game ends. Now, I think Steve Kerr, this is the type of game that flips the season around. And it was a blessing in disguise. You have your two players with Stephen Curry out, get ejected in Clay Thompson and in Draymond Green. But, and now you are forced to play the younger guys. You see, this was the Brandon Pajemski game. 39 minutes for Pajemski off the bench, leading the entire team in minutes played. Second most was Kevon, or Chris Paul at 36 minutes. And for third, tied was Chris Paul and Dario Saric, each with 32 minutes. Now, you might be wondering, Brandon, why haven't you talked about Jonathan Kaminga? Well, he only played 16 minutes last night, scored five points. And Trace Jackson Davis had 12 minutes, two points, two rebounds, three assists. Not that big of a factor last night. And Moses Moody in 14 minutes, 11 points, two rebounds, and two assists. Now, Jonathan Kaminga, everyone has been waiting for that third-year leap. We have yet to see it this season. Earlier on, we saw those flashes of him being more, uh, being able to hit the three-pointer, right? His jumper looked good, but he still is that type of guy at certain situations still turns the ball over off his foot when he's just dribbling and attacking and putting his head down or... When he's backing himself up to the basket, he, you know, he draws the offensive foul sometimes. Defenders know that he's going to be aggressive and they take advantage of that. That's something that Jonathan Kaminga just still needs to clean up and try to fit into the Warriors type of offense of taking things slow, making the right pass, and just knowing that you don't have to ISO or try to score every single time. Find yourself in this Warriors offense. Now, 
on the rebounding side, we still have games of Kaminga where he rebounds really well. And then we also have games like last night in 16 minutes where he only gets two rebounds. Now, to be fair, you're going against a Gobert and a Towns, but try to help yourself help your other teammates. And that's why I think that message early on by Steve Kerr to Clay Thompson, get yourself in good positioning, be a little more aggressive, be more handsy, and try to help your teammate get good positioning and get their boards. And I think Andrew Wiggins, once again, not a great shooting night for two-way wings, 9.7 rebounds. He did have three steals though. And as I said last time, 0.1 steals per game this season for Andrew Wiggins, and no, that is not a typo. Once again, 0.1 steals average on the season heading into last night's contest. And Wiggs was active, three steals and one block, but four of 15 from the field and one of seven from the three-point line. If two of those three-pointers hit, or if two of those close baskets at the rim hit for Andrew Wiggins, then the Warriors win this game. And I, the great thing about last night was that Andrew Wiggins was active on the on, on the defensive end, on, on the O boards, he had two offensive rebounds, finished with a total of seven boards for Andrew Wiggins. Now, he looked active at the glass, whether he got his own rebound or he, you know, tipped that ball up, tried to get a second chance opportunity for one of his teammates to secure the rebound and push it for the Warriors offense. I loved Wiggs' aggressiveness there, and I think this is where it starts. It all starts on the defensive end for Andrew Wiggins, like Steve Kerr said a couple of games ago, and that's going to translate into better offense. I think Wiggins, again, I said that 20 games was going to be the number when I start to panic if he's still shooting poorly. Well, he has eight more of those for me to officially give up on Andrew Wiggins and start to panic and maybe pull up the trade machine. But I think last night's performance was a good step in the right direction for Andrew Wiggins and the rest of the season. And Chris Paul late, again, we talked about that questionable decision-making where he had two open shots on the reverse layup and just the pull-up jumper. Chris Paul needs to not be afraid to shoot the ball. With Steph Curry out, where you're manning the offense, you're in that closing lineup, you know you have the ball in your hands, you're the point guard. I know we brought you in to try to close games out, but when there's not that offensive type of scorer, the shooters aren't there. Like last night, it was Brandon Pajemski, Chris Paul, and Dario Sar all having to score on their end. There wasn't any shooters. There wasn't any other scorers. So if you're CP3, he needs to be better at recognizing in those situations, hey, I need to take these open shots. And a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of the give and go type of deal we saw work yesterday with him and Dario Saric. That always works on the pick and roll. There was this one play where it was just a give and go between the two, got an easy layup. And then on, on, the, uh, on the wing, it was a give-and-go type of situation, but it was a pick-and-pop. It went from Dario Saric back out to Chris Paul for a three-pointer, and Chris Paul nailed it. So if you're not going down in the lane, hit that open three-pointer if you're CP3. I want CP3 to take more open shots and not be too much of a passer. I think the Warriors have overpassed too many times this season where they're trying to get the offensive player set up for this perfect shot that ultimately does not happen in the NBA with a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves, some athletic bigs like Carl Anthony Towns and a shot blocker like Rudy Gobert. And when you have a defender that's going to be one of the best uh, two-way guards in the league in Anthony Edwards, they know you're just going to slow the offense down and keep on passing the ball. And they're going to anticipate that. They're going to be ready to block your shot. And I think 
that's where the Warriors need to figure out their offensive rotations. Not only that, but also that, hey, if I have an open shot, I need to shoot it. I can't keep on overpassing and resulting in turnovers. Now, when we look at the turnover uh, turnovers last night, the Warriors had 19 and Minnesota also had 19 themselves. Now, you're probably asking, eh, what, what are the, point, the points off turnovers? Did Minnesota really outscore the Warriors in that area? And did, did that ultimately lead in the factor of having that three-point victory for the T-Wolves and getting a 2-0 record in group play for this in-season tournament? Now, not really. That's the three-point difference right there as I take a look at it. Points off turnovers, 22 for Minnesota, only 19 for the Golden State Warriors. And that's the three-point difference you want to say there. There is one guy, though, that really frustrates me on this Golden State Warriors team and doesn't really bring anything, only should really be seeing garbage time minutes. And Steve Kerr last night, I get it, they were very short, but 13 minutes of Corey Joseph, six points, four assists right? Hit two big three-pointers. I'm not going to lie there. It, two three-pointers that the Warriors needed. for He's a, he's a decent three-point shooter, but he had two turnovers where he stepped out of bounds baseline, tried to argue it with the referee both times that I did not do that. It's just a, hey, my, my, my heel's not on the ground there at the baseline. Um, and I know it's just two turnovers there, but I, I think the Warriors can cut Corey Joseph, and I think they will eventually, and give those minutes more to Trace Jackson Davis or to Brandon Pajemski. Give it to Moses Moody a couple minutes here and there. Give it to Jonathan Kaminga. Or, hey, you recalled Guy Santos last night. Maybe he sees some of those minutes. The Warriors, I think, last night, they saw how deep they are. And now after panicking for the Warriors losing four straight games, the narrative changes. The Warriors are too small. Uh, they don't have a big on the bench. But to start off the season where they started the year off, what was it, 6-2? and two? And yeah, 6-2 and two and then losing four straight. All the talks were, hey, the Warriors have one of the deeper benches in the NBA. I still think they do. They do have a deep bench. They might not be the biggest bench, but they have guys that can make plays. We talked about Kaminga. We talked about Moody. GP2, Trace Jackson Davis, and now Brandon Pajemski. And Brandon Pajemski, after last night, earned himself minutes and a spot in the rotation. And I think he might take minutes away from Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, which will be tough for those three-year veterans because both were expected to take this third-year leap. And when a rookie like Pajemski comes in who only played two years out of college and is immediately making an impact, that could be a little frustrating for those guys that were waiting their turns. But Pajemski has come out blazing and he's proven to Steve Kerr why he needs to see minutes. Now, Brandon Pajemski was asked how he stays ready and what his role is like in this Warriors rotation. I think Pajemski gave an answer to why he calls himself a spare tire. Uh, Brandon, how do you see your role on the team going forward? Like, what do you think you can bring um, to the team? Yeah, I think I look at myself as like a spare tire. Um, you know, whenever something is wrong with the tires, I just go in there and fix it. And um, whatever coach asks me, that's kind of what I have to do. I'm not going to say I have a particular role. Um, but just whatever coach asks me, whether it's starting, coming off the bench, or not playing, um, you know, I'll be ready for all three. 
you just got to love that from the rookie, right? He's a young kid, has that mentality. He transferred into Santa Clara for that opportunity to showcase his skills. And he was that dog there in the WCC. Like I've said before, I got to see him play St. Mary's twice. And, you know, his two times he played against St. Mary's, we always saw his aggressiveness, his ability to attack the basket, that he was a problem in that area. And his game, his floater game, and his ability to finish reminds us of a James Harden or a D'Angelo Russell. Now, when he stops in the paint, he gets a little crafty. I think that's where a little bit of that D'Lo comes out. Now, we haven't seen that mid-range jumper like D'Angelo Russell has, but we've seen that three-pointer. He was... Brandon Pajemski is already a th better three-point shooter heading into the league than I think D'Lo was, so he has that advantage. But the lefty, man, Brandon Pajemski is a problem, and he should earn more minutes in this rotation going forward, as Steve Kerr said last night in his press conference. I think my favorite play from last night had to be the Brandon Pajemski bank three-pointer to close off the third quarter. It was the play of the game last night at Chase Center. They awarded it, and how can you not? You know, Chris Paul was in a bit of trouble as the shot clock and the time clock was expiring there. Dished it to Pajemski. Pajemski spin back, took a fadeaway three-pointer, banked it off glass, and the entire Chase Center crowd just went wild. It was hyped in that arena heading into the fourth quarter. We thought that they were going to secure the victory and pull it off. But again, the three-point loss there, it was just a game that you wanted. It was a game that you wanted to win for Brandon Pajemski, for Clay Thompson, for Draymond Green. And the Warriors were there. They just started off cold there in that fourth quarter. And late in that stretch, you know, I think they went 0 for 8 at one point. Or was it 0 for 9 at uh, hitting a shot? And Chris Paul, I think, could have mitigated that by again you know hitting that reverse layup hitting that mid-range shot that he had wide open and I know hindsight is in 2020 and we can look back into all of that but I think it was a great learn this was a game that's a great learning lesson like I said for not only the young players but for Steve Kerr and knowing that he can trust the young guys and I think this is also, we're going to have a Trace Jackson Davis breakout game eventually. We see it early with Brandon Pajemski just because the guards were short last night and he thrived on that opportunity. But maybe in the future, if Draymond Green fouls out early or, God forbid, an injury to Kevon Looney or Dario Saric and Trace Jackson Davis steps in and ultimately has this Brandon Pajemski type of breakout game. We saw Trace Jackson Davis, though, in his debut where he went berserk against the New Orleans Pelicans. That game, he almost had a double-double, had nine rebounds. And that type, the shades of that game, I think, is also promising. And we'll tell Steve Kerr that Trace Jackson Davis should also see more minutes going forward. And what happened over the weekend in Santa Clara, or excuse me, in Santa Cruz, and Brandon Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis had a great game with the Santa Cruz Warriors against the Stockton Kings. And at one point, TJD was perfect in the first quarter, 15 points, one big highlight reel dunk, a throw down left hammer type of dunk in transition. And Brandon Pajemski was just scoring at will as well. And I think these guys are going to continue to see time and develop their game in Santa Cruz partially only when needed more so with TJD I can see but Brandon Pajemski is NBA level ready as we saw last night Dub Nation I'll close it off with this who do the Warriors start forward I think you go Steph Curry Klay Thompson 
Andrew Wiggins, Dario Saric, and Draymond Green. Just like we saw last night, Kevon Looney can be great off the bench in limited minutes. And you got to platoon, I think, your bigs when you know that you're going to go with a more athletic team, maybe try to space the floor out, as we did last night with Dario Saric in the lineup. But if you're playing bully ball against these slower centers like a Jokic, and we know that Kevon Looney can do that. We saw his masterful defensive performance, Tracy Jackson Davis, the opportunity, the guard, a Jokic too, but he can also play athletic big. So you have that matchup there in Tracy Jackson Davis, where I think if he develops his game, he can be matchup proof, especially on the defensive end. Offensively, we know he's going to get to the rim no matter what and draw fouls, and he's going to work on those free throws and hit those free throws too. He's also a lob threat. That opportunity there, I think the big, the bigs there with Saric, Looney, in TJD, Steve Kerr can really platoon that and take advantage of the matchups. But I think you'll be seeing Dario Saric start more and probably going small ball center again with Draymond Green. Now, Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson, the X-Factor is there. I think 20 games is a good number for them, especially with Andrew Wiggins to, if hey, if they're still not hitting the mark there offensively at the 20-game mark, maybe, maybe you see Andrew Wiggins come off the bench and have a type of scorer, a type of playmaker to accompany Chris Paul off of the bench. That are, that's just my thoughts there on the starting lineup going forward. Now, to close it off here, we'll take a look at the NBA standings. The Warriors fall to the eighth spot overall in that play-in tournament range after dropping four straight games. Warriors 5-2 and two away, 1-4 and four at home to start the season. Now, a lot of Dub Nation, we joked around when we first started this up this podcast a couple of weeks ago for this season. Is it going to be the opposite? Are the Warriors going to be great on the road and then bad at home? Well, unfortunately, that's how it's starting this season. But I think the Warriors can turn that around. They have the Oklahoma City Thunder back-to-back again with Minnesota, like the Minnesota series. They'll have OKC Thursday and Saturday. Then they'll take on the Houston Rockets, the Phoenix Suns on the road, followed by a play-in tournament game next Friday against San Antonio and Victor Wembanyama. Then they go to Sacramento there on Tuesday, November 28th, national televised game there uh, on TNT. The schedule doesn't get easier as they take on the Clippers twice. The Clippers might figure it out there. They are still winless with James Harden on the roster, but not an easy task, an easy schedule ahead for the Golden State Warriors. I said if the Warriors were eight and two, seven and three on this homestand, that would definitely help them propel them in that number one seed. Well, folks, they've lost four in a row and they've lost three straight at home. Hopefully the Warriors can turn that around the next time we talk and hopefully Stephen Curry continues his heater and his MVP race. Draymond Green continues to hit the three-pointer at a great rate and Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins just start finding themselves offensively. They are the keys there on in the starting lineup and what will change this Warriors season around. That is all of the time we have for this special edition, folks, of Strength and Numbers released on a Wednesday. We usually drop podcasts most of the time Thursday and Friday, but after that incident last night at Chase Center, the chokehold at Chase, the tap out Tuesday at Chase, the Draymond Green kerfuffle, the scuffle, whatever you want to call it, and 
hey, we'll probably hear news on that suspension for Draymond Green coming up within the next few hours here after we release this podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in, folks, every single week to Strength and Numbers. You can follow us on X once again on our podcast page at dubs underscore strength. You can follow me, your host, Brandon Kibbies, on X at High Brand Flakes. And as always, go dubs. This show is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.